0: And I truly believe that the whole MI and behavioral stuff has to be part of complex disease treatment. The problem is that there's so many problems.
1: <laughs> Pop Health Week is brought to you by Health Innovation Media. Health Innovation Media brings your brand narrative alive via original or value-added digitally curated content for omni-channel distribution and engagement. Connect with us at www.popupstudio.productions. Welcome, everyone. I'm Greg Masters, managing director of Health Innovation Media and producer co-host of Pop Health Week. Joining me in the virtual studio is my partner, colleague, and lead co-host Fred Goldstein, president of Countable Health LLC. On today's show, our guest is Tatiana Canzavelli, who's making an encore appearance. Tatiana Canzavelli is the founder and CEO of Open Health Network, a Silicon Valley-based technology company focused on AI and blockchain applications in digital health, including the deployment of private-labeled chatbot platforms. Tatiana's career spans coding and programming to senior executive roles at nameplate companies and consulting firms, including founder and CEO in the startup space. During her 20-year career, she has been recognized as a thought leader and mentor for her ability to guide Fortune 500 companies through a range of business challenges. She is a mentor at 500 Startups and Richard Branson Entrepreneur's Center and serves on boards of various private companies. She is also a licensee and organizer of the highly notable TEDx Bay Area Conference, She is a frequent speaker at U.S. and international conferences on innovation, entrepreneurship, and digital health. So, Fred, with that brief introduction, over to you. Help us learn more about Tatiana's work at Open Health Network and the launch of Constant Care.
2: Thanks so much, Greg and Tatiana. Welcome to Pop Health Week.
0: I'm glad to be here.
2: Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. It's been quite a while since we've gotten together and talked, I think all pre-COVID, perhaps the last HIMSS conference. So it's really great to get you on and learn about what you're doing. Always fascinating stuff. So why don't we start with a little bit, just give our audience a little sense of your background.
0: Oh my God, talking about diverse background. (laughs) In my past life, I was coding systems. So I was a software engineer and did a lot of the data, data warehousing, knowledge management systems, whatever terminology we used in the past for working with data. and and then I was at Price Waterhouse uh, for a while uh, as a level executives working with fortune fifty one hundred companies on intersection of technology and business processes in sap practice. And then, I decided to be an entrepreneur and I've done a variety of different startups okay. until I got diagnosed with cancer. And then I kind of dropped all the nonsense and decided to do things that matter.
2: And so that, I guess, led you into healthcare. Is that right?
0: Exactly. Yes. And Straight the, into healthcare.
2: My understanding is you were also quite the chess player.
0: Yeah, a good portion of my life, I was a professional chess player. I so love the game and wish at one point I would have time to go back and play.
2: So once you got in with the cancer diagnosis and you moved into healthcare, what did you see as the opportunities that led you to start these companies?
0: I think, you know, when you get cancer diagnosis, and in my case, it's like colon cancer. I was like, that's a death sentence right there. So um, it wasn't an easy set of news to chew on. Uh, so I went, of course, through all kind of different thoughts and uh, different states of mind. but once, but I just kind of, at one point, I realized that I was kind of still alive, but I was functioning like I was dead, right? So it was like, so like, I can still enjoy whatever time I have. Uh, and uh, at that time, all the background in technology and data, you know, kind of came back to me. And I asked um, the oncologist, um, beautiful person I was with, and I asked him, so like, why me, right? And he, he told me, well, it looks like it's just bad luck. At that time, I kind of stuck to figure, like looking at what bad luck means. And there are a lot of diseases, including cancer cases where we can't really find out why it happened to us, even if we do everything right in your life. At that time, I kind of outlined and created the diagram of 360 degrees of data that can impact your health. And then I started looking at the sources of the data, realized that we have some data, some data we don't have. Of course, even if we have access to some bits and pieces of health data, they are contained in b- very different systems. So you can't even combine them in one place to analyze. And from that, I kind of start iterating on this core fundamental idea that we have to be able to bring advanced analytics in the healthcare. Wow.
2: So you saw this as a opportunity to connect things to provide better information to people and formed is that what really led to open health network
0: right so right now i would say i'm probably running like a fifth company under the same (laughs) same name (laughs) i i haven't changed the name but what we do is you know drastically changed. so the very first version was like social network for oncology patients and uh, that uh, moved into a product where we created puzzle pieces and enabled developers and healthcare to develop things. And that got into <laughs> uh, patients here that was, um, you know, kind of data, health data marketplace. And that evolved all together into constant care, that um, kind of became the it uh, for us for right now. I can't promise there'll be you know <laughs> a new version of that, but we, you know once we deploy things and learn things, it's natural that you kind of deviate and um, adjust based on what's needed.
2: It sounds like almost a flow of ultimately expanding it out until you're at this point with constant care, which is sort of like a population health type program or something like that. Is that how you would look at it?
0: Um, I would say it's uh, more like um, uh, something that, you know, I have this vision of adaptive, personalized, integrated care management system. Right. So (laughs) basically uh, I, I don't like niche stuff and I don't like disconnected stuff. So I'm trying to enable healthcare people to get where they want to be. And when you look at complex diseases and rare diseases and chronic diseases, you realize in, that uh, in um, in most of the cases, you have multiple specialists, multiple experts involved in your care, and you, you're like kind of... Rabbit, <laughs> I would just say, like you, you know, some you get one one set of treatments from one specialist, and then you're captured by someone else, and you know how it is, right? It's it's hard. So we created, I would say, highly sophisticated framework where you can dynamically create care team, and then they can create completely integrated care plan at a very detailed level, right? So it's not just you need to exercise and Eat your carrot, right? So we we'll go to the next level of details, where, uh, for example, for uh, kids with rare cardiovascular issues, uh, here's how you get on on your bike. Here's your target heart rate zone. Here's how we will monitoring that and how long you are staying with that target uh, heart rate zone. Once when you're done, we're on a survey and it's integrated with all kind of behavioral lifestyle specific dietary integrated things so uh and every specialist can create their subset if you will of you know actions that you need to do and that includes pretty much anything that you want patients to do and we automatically generate integrated personalized plan for you so you can see exactly what you need to do you don't need to open one app for one or something else and write something down on a paper. And we also integrate with a variety of different devices and sensors. The, and then when we get all that data captured from assessment, surveys, devices, it automatically gets triaged and we apply AI and rules that w- have been provided to us to notify the healthcare team if there are some patterns that need to be addressed, and all that data goes back to the dashboard in EHR at very detailed level. Uh-huh. Um, you see, so it's completely round trip kind of integrated from care plan, care management, the patient, the devices, and back.
2: Right. So at the end of it, so you it allows a practitioner or a healthcare system or others to better manage a population by individually intervening appropriately with whatever their conditions are. Is that sort of it?
0: Right. Right. And of course my vision is that you add different care providers, specialists, they have access to data and then um and but the the most fantastic thing is that On the back end, we suddenly get complete data set, your lifestyle, your mental health, behavioral, your heart rate, oxygen, uh, sound level, and humidity in where you are. You see what I mean, right? And we can integrate that with genetics, claim, EHR, and everything else. And uh, that will, I think, will be just so unbelievably awesome to Mm -hmm. analyze.
2: So you ingest all those different data sources. And when you say having devices, et cetera, are you hooked up directly to those devices? Is it coming through a Valytic or something like that? Or um, individually, how are you working that?
0: Uh, it really depends. We're completely agnostic to pretty much anything. We do what makes sense. So we didn't have to use Valytic. In most of the cases, there is integration to devices. Mm-hmm. Uh, we created a, for some areas of clinical research and studies, we, we had to create our own, own data cloud due to the complexity of data that comes from not just devices, but also from sensors and everything else. Mm-hmm. If needed, we can work with Validic. Just our goal is to make systems and everything that actually will deliver value. So mm-hmm. whatever makes sense, we do that.
2: Got it. And you mentioned EHRs, et cetera. So are you linked in to those to be able to both receive data and feed it back into those systems?
0: We haven't seen any requirements on the receiving data. In most of the cases, just the level of detailed data we capture. Can you imagine like having every heartbeat pushed to EMR? It just doesn't make sense. So <laughs> it doesn't, right? They No one will ever look at it. But uh, when uh, we generate the summary for a patient, that gets attached to the record. So, if there are certain things that need to be looked at at very detailed level, they have uh, they have a place where they can look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in most of the cases, you know, I'm like constantly asking healthcare providers, researchers, you know, all specialists, what we can do to make your life easier. Just your life is complicated as it is, right? So in my view, working with data most of my life, it's figuring out when they need to be alerted and notified and give them the easiest way to get to exactly place where that triggered that exception, if you will. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, my goal in life is to make easier for physicians to do what they need to do. And easy for patients to adhere to very complex treatment plan if needed, so they can, you know, stay healthier or be treated.
1: And if you're just tuning in to Pop Health Week, our guest is Tatiana Canzavelli, the founder and CEO of Open Health Network, a technology company focused on AI and blockchain applications in digital health, including the deployment of private labeled chatbots. For more information on Open Health, go to www.openhealth.cc or follow them on Twitter via at GLFCEO and Open Health H, respectively.
2: And so, you know, having sort of done really early iterations of something like this back in the early, late 90s and early 2000s before we had a, quite a bit of this tech, um, and obviously your expertise is much beyond mine in this area. Where, where are you getting these data sources from? And then, secondarily, you talk about AI and machine learning, and what are you actually using to do that?
0: So data sources, again, in most of the cases, we're engaged with uh, people who have complex, rare diseases, chronic diseases, right? And we're lucky enough to work with, you know, very well-known people across all those, you know, areas that uh, they specify what's needed for within the care fund to treat those patients. In, in many cases they come to us and say, well we need to get oxygen level, we need to get certain heart rate data and other things and help us to find a device uh, that in population health like inexpensive, at the same time gets you know quality of the data that we need. You know there are a lot of different dimensions to picking the right device. Uh-huh. You know, most of the people don't have the latest iPhone. Let's put it that way. In, Iowa, or in so we need to, in many cases, we kind of look at different devices, get in touch with manufacturing companies and try to get the right set of devices because so we can't compromise on the quality of the data. right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we need to look at the price point is to use integration and ability to pull data from that. In AI, um where do I start? <laughs> so uh, we, uh, and again, I, I don't like just using AI terminology just for the sake of AI terminology, right? In some cases, we don't need AI where we can specify a set of rules. So that's not AI, right? We do a lot of, right? Yeah, some people are like, oh, say, we use
2: AI. I love it. I was yeah. about to get there. We use <laughs> AI, and then I see, oh, well, it's a thousand SQL queries, <laughs>
0: you exactly, know, right? something like that, yeah. right?
2: But AI, we know
0: that's not AI.
2: <laughs> right.
0: So, uh, yeah. So, we, uh, for example, developed algorithms on 120 plus million of detailed claim data for uh, in, where we can predict um, disease progression before that has been uh, actually identified. We created a lot of sophisticated AI models that involve natural language processing and machine learning to uh, analyze conversations we actually uh, developed uh, a way where algorithms can determine where people ready to change transition happens from sustained to change language which is very important to integrate in addictions but also in complex disease management because we tend to look at adherence in a very simplistic way, I'll tell you five times a day, take you, med that's the adherence, and it's not, right? Because in most of the cases, you ideally want to integrate behavioral into complex treatment plan, because... If the person says, "I don't care," uh, you know, I have diabetes, but I'll eat sugar five times a day. The fundamental issue is not reminding, not but more looking at how you can motivate those people. So, and we develop very sophisticated AI kind of uh, ways of helping people talk through. you know, real reasoning of why they do, they don't do things, uh, they re- determine the point where it's the right time for intervention and give them ways uh, to communicate with people who can help them.
2: Yeah. I know our audience can't see this, but I'm smiling ear to ear listening to that because I was about to get into, are you looking at personas, readiness to change? And obviously you are, and that's what's so critical. If they're not ready to work on their smoking, don't go hammering them with a bunch of smoking messages, but let's go work on something else that they are ready to work on. So that's fantastic to hear that. And so that that also is a piece of your platform that you've built in that essentially provides that on the back end. You know, one of the issues I'd love to hear you discuss is we recently saw last year this issue, I think, it, with one of the other systems, I think it might've been Optum's that had some natural bias built into the system. It was a ML system. How do you sort of think that through and look to work that in your, in your case? I know you said you have a hundred. In
0: most of the miles. cases. Yeah. Uh, and we, even with the stuff that, uh, algorithms that we've developed in certain things, I just can't disclose due to the mm-hmm. nature of, um, the, of the, of the uh, stuff we're working on, but we even were able to find some biases in certain things we've been playing with, not playing with deploying, and you need to look at the source of the data, you need to create ways of determining if there have been misrepresentation or mistreatment of the data and fix it. So we were able to do it on certain algorithms that we've built. It's not a trivial thing, mm-hmm. right? For most, well, for most people, it's like, you you know, they say, well, it's a black box. We drop stuff in, something <laughs> magic happens, and here's, you know, <laughs> the outcome. So that's not acceptable because we need to set up frameworks on, on the input side to make sure we have representative data, that kind of diverse and uh, will minimize the uh, mishaps of the AI algorithm. At the same time, we also have to look at the outputs and figure out if it's indicative that something is happening, go back and retrain models until we're pretty sure that it functions the way it's supposed to. Fantastic. Not trivial thing, but important. No, not
2: trivial at all. You know, fantastic. You're looking at that. The other thing I I know is is, uh, we've all been living through COVID. You've, I believe, pivoted into that with some of your services. What did you set up for COVID?
0: Uh, So within days, like when um, it was actually announced as COVID, which was way later than it should have been, but we immediately using our framework released uh, symptoms tracker. Remember in those days, no one knew who is sick, who is not. And so uh, and with that, we created a, a heat map. So we released Symptoms Tracker, literally within a couple of days, we were the first ones to put it out there. And th- like tens of thousands of people started using. We released it in like six languages wow. for free, integrated <laughs> with physician dashboard, with rules that we set up, meaning that People could start documenting their symptoms on a daily or hourly, whatever basis. They could share with physicians. They can look at the, uh, you know, correlations between data sets and everything else. So that's been done. Right now, what I really want to do, and I found the right partners to use MI kind of technologies, motivational interviewing, AI, you know, NLP everything that we've built that I described to you a little bit before to work with anti-vaxxers. So from my point of view, we, we blame those people, but we need to talk to them and they, most of them are in hiding, right? They wouldn't tell you I'm not vaccinated and I'm not doing it. And uh, they wouldn't tell you why it's, you know because of the consequences of that. So uh, I really feel that we have a set of tools in my company where we can put together a chat bot where people anonymously can go in and talk through in using our capacity to understand their concerns, talk, to the, through, to talk through those and determine the point where they kind of open to have a more detailed conversation or get vaccinated to give them resources to do that. So this is what I want to do for COVID and uh, just trying to find the right ways of funding that. Because I think it's important for, not just for COVID, for for any vaccines and then, you know, on the public health side. Engage people who disengaged in healthcare. Most of them are not vaccinated. So there are a lot of, I think, meat behind that. Yep.
2: that's 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 certainly sort of the holy grail I've been looking for forever is this whole population health approach. How how do you put the right message to the right person at the right time to get them to obviously make the decisions to do certain things behaviorally to improve their health you know we talked about macaw this app we built years ago it was the parrot on your shoulder and i wanted the drill sergeant macaw but somebody else needs the sweet macaw with this message like you talked about so that's really right. great so you're looking now to find funding for that
0: yes yeah, so we we found the researcher that is capable uh, the Dane expert in uh, Mi for this type of areas. We have an engine built, so we need to kind of put the focused effort and it's very limited funding that's needed, but I think the impact will be huge for that piece, yeah.
2: Absolutely, because like you said, you can use it for this, but you can also apply that type of a model once it's proven to any of the other issues that you're working with. So that's, that's really great. In the last minute or so, what? Where do you see this AI and machine learning going in terms of healthcare?
0: It's a mainstream. So uh, my dream is to work with organizations that will give us access to genetic data, to HR data, to claim data, and uh, device patient reported data. We have capacity of analyzing, even if we start with certain Condition, you know, certain disease area, but who is out there who is willing to go to that level? Because I think that is what's needed. It's not like we independently analyze genetic data. Someone is looking at claims data, someone is looking at device data, and so on. So my dream is to find organization who subscribe to the same vision and start slowly putting those data sources together and build algorithms that can tie it all together and make sense on prevention, treatment, and uh, ultimately the outcomes.
2: Well, that's fantastic. I want to thank you so much, Tatiana, for coming on Pop Health Week. It's a pleasure to catch up with you. And we'll definitely have to get you back on again to go a little bit deeper
1: into some of these subjects.
0: Thank you. It's always nice to be here, guys. Thank you.
1: And back to you, Greg. And thank you, Fred. That is the last word for today's broadcast. I want to thank Tatiana Canzavelli, the founder and CEO of Open Health Network, for her time and insights today. For more information on Open Health Network, follow them on Twitter via at GLFCEO, that's Tatiana's handle, and at OpenHealthH, respectively. And to learn more about Open Health's constant care platform, go to www.openhealth.cc. And finally, if you're enjoying our work here at Pop Health Week, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast platform of your choice and do follow us on Twitter via at Pop Health Week. Bye now.